RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. It's been a while, but um, it's great to have Adam Crichton of the Australian back with us, um, their man in Washington, D.C. You've been out and about, Adam, have you? Out of town. Yeah, that's true. I have. I've been traveling a lot. Well, you know, we had Albo here, Prime Minister Albanese here for yes. a week in late October, and that was Airbus extremely Albo. hectic. <laughs> uh, and then I went to London for a conservative conference called oh, the, uh, yeah. the the Alliance for Responsible Citizenship. You may have heard of that. Uh, I of, think so, uh, yeah. yeah. Yes, I went there, and then I went to Dallas for another uh, freedom conference. And, uh, yeah, now I'm back. And, uh, yeah, hoping to stay in the uh, U.S. capital for a few weeks without leaving it. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, let's start with Albo. And one of our um, Aussie correspondents refers to him as Airbus Albo because I guess he gets around a bit. So yes. he was in town visiting Biden. Um, did Biden <clears throat> stay awake during that, or how did that go? Yeah, you know, actually, he did surprisingly well, Biden, that week. I mean, I've been very critical of his of his performances in public, but, uh, you know, for Biden, and it's a low, you know, it's a low threshold, but uh, he was remarkably fluent and uh, cogent that week, I thought. Uh, that's certainly, we can't say that about his performance in APEC, uh, last week, uh, by which time it will be. Uh, uh, so, uh, yeah, look, I mean, it was a successful visit, but it's always hard to know how to measure these things. And as a journalist, it's, you know, I find it frustrating reporting it because, you know, you're just kind of reporting, you know, statements of the obvious and, and pleasantries yeah. and, and bromides and, uh, you know, the press just, I mean, in my view, over-reports these things <laughs> because I don't know I don't know how much the ordinary person really gets from from these stories. <laughs> Yeah, so um, that let's let's look at Albo's meeting with him again. So yeah. it, it's interesting how people can have moments of lucidity <laughs> yes. and then go back to kind of what we're used to <laughs> referring to Biden there. But do you think? Uh, I mean, obviously, there's the Alcus sub thing, which is going to yes. cost an arm and a leg for the average Australian uh, taxpayer who's already five point one percent down on their income, so they probably won't like that. Yes. But also, there's Julian Assange. Was there any anything said there? Regarding look, Assange, do you think? Look, the the press pack. Uh, so there was a press conference between the two leaders in the you know Rose Garden, I think, uh, just near the Oval Office, and and the American and the Australian side each got two questions, and and the uh, the Australians uh, uh, didn't ask about Assange, and and there was some disquiet amongst the group about that because yeah, why would that be? Why would that be? Adam. Well, look, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't draw the straw to ask the question, and you know, and you know, I'd leave that to the travelling press pack anyway. But um, well, look, it's up to the journalists that that get asked to write the questions, and um, sorry to ask the questions, and uh, you know, some journalists wanted to ask about Assange. I mean, I mean, I would have asked about it. It's something I've been a bit passionate about. Uh, but later, it emerged uh, that they did talk about it. Uh, I think Albanese said they did talk about it, but there was no real progress. Uh, and look, you know, I think it's sad. I think, I think the I think the reality is the uh, the Attorney General's Department, which is ultimately you know responsible, the Justice Department, is not going to move on this issue uh, because I thought that maybe at that that meeting Biden would have given Albo a big win, uh, which it would be, uh, by saying, look, you know we're gonna we're gonna change our approach to Assange in some way, or at least let him you know let him go home or something like that. But no, so uh, so I mean, to me, it reflects that we're you know very much the junior partner in that yeah, relationship. Yeah, weak, weak, actually, and, weak. And 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 you know, I mean, that, I, well, I guess that's the reality. We're twenty six million people. They're three hundred and thirty million. The reality is, we need we need them to defend us in the event of any war. Yeah, but 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 how drama. useful is is someone like Albanese as the leader of the country upholding, first of all, the rights of one of 
you know, his citizens, which he's you know taken an oath to protect, etc., and represent, and also you know the um, the profession of professionalism of journalism. He could have come out in those, well, not even publicly, and maybe he did, and said, "Joe, everything's off if you don't release him." He, well, he, that's right. He's he got the reins and, and, and jammed them. You know, that would have required some serious balls. Yeah, but what could they do? do what could they do? Well, it's a question of who needs who more. And, you know, I'd probably say uh, we need them more than they need us. Uh, are perhaps. they a great uh, export, um, you know, buyer of Australian goods? Probably not that much. Not, not hugely, no. I mean, China obviously buys a yeah. lot more of our goods than the US, go. and that's, that's, you know, that's our quandary. I mean, the thing that sustains our our high living standards, although, as you point out, falling, <laughs> but uh, but still high, is, uh, you know, is Chinese purchases of, from, you know, our rocks at the end of the day. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah, uh, yeah. Sort of as embarrassing as that might be. I mean, the US is a huge investment partner with Australia. You know, they they spend a lot of money in Australia in terms of their uh, the, you know, their corporate investment. But, uh, but certainly, you know, but that doesn't pay the bills, uh, so to speak. Uh, you know, I just think there's fear in the Australian political class of upsetting the US in any way, and I think or Albanese is okay with it. He, he agrees. He's same thing. And you know, it's, it's interesting. Just the left of the Labor Party, uh, to their credit, uh, still you know, you know, are still very angry about the Assange situation. Um, and but but even that, and, and of course, the Prime Minister is nominally from that side of the Labor Party, and yet he still didn't do anything. So I mean, if he's not going to do anything. Uh, you know, sadly, I don't think the Australian government's really going to do much. We just have to hope that there's the process in Europe. I still think there's an appeal um, uh, that's going to happen in the European High Court or something like that. And let's hope that there's something emerges from that whereby he's not transferred to the US. But, but, but you know, we should be critical of Britain too. I think they're even worse, oh, actually. Of course. Because, Britain, yeah, yeah. because Britain's a much more powerful country than Australia and it could say, no, you're not having him. And, okay, sure, it would cause a minor diplomatic, um, uh, you know, fury between Washington and London, but it's so weak that they have not, because he's broken no law in England either, none. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, I mean, it, well, you know, what it does here, the big picture thing is it just goes to show you the extraordinary power of America in the Anglophone world, uh, that, that, yeah. that we are, you know, kind of quasi part of the empire, really, kind of in that Roman sort of style. I mean, we're not legally part of it, but, but you know, we're, we're effectively de facto a very, very, very much so. I mean, you know, what else could you conclude? <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. Okay, st- to the summit, I saw um, footage of Xi Jinping rocking in on his big 747 into yes. San Francisco, and I think part of uh, what is being talked about between US and China anyway is them buying uh, US uh, airliners again, which has been on hold for a while, um, uh, for a few years. Uh, but uh, Biden's come out, and he didn't actually, I, I looked at the video, he didn't flatly, describe Jinping as um or Xi Jinping as as a dictator, but he, he kind of said yes he is a dictator if you think that he doesn't get elected, something like that. Yes. Uh, and, yes and apparently there's footage of Anthony Blinken like Oh it's fantastic did. footage. Yeah. It's yeah. it's great. I actually just just watched it a bit earlier. I hadn't seen it. But yeah. Uh yeah, I mean he's sitting in the front row. The Secretary of State is sitting in the front row there and uh, some journalists asked um Asked the president if he still stood by that that word of a few months ago, and uh, you could see then a Biden, uh, sorry, a Blinken thinking, oh no, oh, yeah. <laughs> and uh, and then of course the president said, well, yes, actually he is a dictator, you know, you know for various reasons, and 
and there's a there's a very clear wince and turn away <laughs> from the Secretary yeah. of State. So, so he, and well, I can understand both their points of view, and I don't think this plays badly for US domestic politics. I think most Americans think that she is a dictator, and you know, on some definitions, I guess he is. I mean, but it's but from the State Department's point of view, uh, it's not helpful because the Chinese do get quite upset about it. Uh, and and in fairness, China has you know they have their system. I certainly don't like it. I wouldn't want to live there. But it's uh, their system, and you know I don't necessarily you know I don't see the point in just inflaming tensions for the sake of it. Um, so I don't think that was helpful, really, saying that. But anyway, it's done now, and at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter. <laughs> Especially when you're fighting to um, uphold democracy in Ukraine when it's under martial law, and it's obviously in a an absolute oh, what are they, well, kleptocracy or whatever they call it. Yeah, well, since we last spoke about that, I mean, what an absolute disaster that's become. I mean, I mean, I haven't written the column yet, but I'm I'm going to say it's the biggest foreign policy disaster for the US since the Vietnam War. And I, you know, I don't really see how else you can characterize it at this stage. I mean, basically, the US and its allies, and that includes Australia, obviously, have you know have pushed a Ukraine to fight and, and us here in New Zealand. We've given eighty well, yes. million dollars to the cause. We don't even know what it was spent on. Uh, uh, yes, no, I know. I think it's I think it's extraordinary, and you know, and there are you know, there were reportedly a couple of uh, you know points where where there was the prospect of a deal of some sort of ceasefire at least, and uh, reportedly uh, the UK Prime Minister at one point said, "No, you've got to keep fighting, basically, and uh, you know we're going to be with you all the way." What was the phrase? It was uh, you know for as long as it takes. I think. <laughs> yeah, well, right. you know, it turned out as long as it takes was about you know fifteen months. That was <laughs> that's about and, it. That and was ninety thousand. That's what the Russian defence minister Soigu is saying. Ninety thousand killed since that offensive in June. I know, and, and yeah, the interesting off. thing, yeah, can you believe that ninety thousand? Yeah, well, I know. Look, you know, that's probably inflated slightly, but who knows? I mean, you know, the Ukrainians have never released any death figures whatsoever, so we we just don't know. And you hear all these, you know, all these horrific figures, but I think it must be really bad because even the mainstream media now, which, which as you know, has been extraordinarily pro, well, you know, well, I would say pro-war, basically pro-fighting Russia. Uh, you know, they're starting to to actually question the deaths, and and, and you know, now they're offering reports that that uh, the Ukrainian government's struggling to conscript people and they're having to force people into wagons and so forth. You know, these these are these videos of people being forced into wagons. I've I mean, they've them. been around for 12 months. Yeah, I've seen I mean, them. For I, mean, that I remember seeing those last year and yet they yeah. were never reported on. Uh, but now they are being. And I think this is just a huge embarrassment for the US because I don't know, well, they're just going to have to leave it, I think. And, and they're conscripting uh, older men, you know, in their late 40s, mid to late 40s. Yeah, well, and the average and age now is women too. 43. <laughs> I know, I know. That was a recent article. I know in the New York Times or something, and I couldn't believe it. I mean, it's just this is really dire. I mean, uh, you know, when you don't know what 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 Ukrainian public opinion really is, because the media is now controlled by the state, and there's no elections. No. And I don't, I don't know how in that circumstance you can really poll people, um, or or at least know what they think. Um, so who knows whether Zelensky is popular? I mean, I think I think if he continues the war and you know tries to conscript. You know, more more harshly. Uh, you know, he should be worried for his own safety. He's a dead imagine. man walking I mean, already, probably. Actually, and I think the the same Ukrainians realise that they're going to have to remove him in order to have any peace with Russia. Um, yeah, and then there's the Biden connection with Ukraine that's somewhere yeah, in there too. Well, so what's all well, that about? Knows? Yeah. I mean, that would be the biggest story of the century if, uh, yeah. if you know, if U.S. support was was you know was somehow motivated by you know by dirt Ukrainians had on the Bidens, which is possible. I mean, I think it's unlikely, but it's possible. Uh, yeah, so there's that as well. Um, but yeah. just on Biden, I think you know, just as the U.S. 
media is changing its tune on, on Ukraine. They're changing their tune on Biden too. You're seeing a lot more stories now coming out that are critical of his performance. Uh, you know, a lot more Democratic voices saying he should stand aside next year. I mean, you know, quite interestingly, at APEC, he, you know, he, he lavished praise on Gavin Newsom, actually, which was oh, which was quite interesting. Lining him um, up. So, you know, I mean, I've been arguing for months that I think, you know, uh, I think that Biden will play along with, uh, with running until the last minute, basically, and there'll be some clause in the Democratic Party and uh, that says that they can replace the nominee and they'll just pick Gavin Newsom. I mean, that's kind yeah. of what I that's what I think might happen because I remember Newsom remarkably, I thought, just uh, just popped up in Beijing a few weeks ago. Yes, he did. Beijing, which was kind of wild. I, I didn't I didn't know that was happening, and then suddenly he was just there. Well, that's 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 very presidential type behaviour. Yeah, I think the context um, of the visit that I read was that something, or one of the things discussed was, you know, fentanyl and uh, the huge yes. problem they had with that. Well, that was one of the deals out of APEC. California. But, you know, I mean, as I said in my comment piece yesterday, it's, uh, you know, I mean, do we really know that China's going to do that? And 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 how can we even monitor that anyway? I mean, I, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, part of me, you know, and this is maybe, you know, shows my extreme cynicism side, but I think the, you know, the Chinese probably get some enjoyment out of the ultimate killing of all these people because ultimately the West did that to them in the 19th century with opium. Uh, you know, they kind of deliberately yeah. forced, they, you know, they foist opium on them and they killed tens of thousands of Chinese and uh, created lots of addicts. Uh, you know, and they played a lot of evidence of that. They play the long Yes, well, that's right. And I mean, I've, you know, I've got no evidence, but but I'm sure if you were in the you know salons of Beijing, there'd be some jokes made about that. I've got no doubt. Okay, speaking of Russia, there's this Israel, Hamas, or Gaza, however you want to describe it, war going on, and um, and Russia's kind of because um, they are, and I think they've been um, rated as the top or the most uh, capable or the strongest military in the world you know, um, above the US now. So they're in there somewhere. What's the connection? I've got this on my list. Well, look, I mean, I don't think Russia has any any link with Hamas. They've been pretty neutral uh, since, uh, you know, since the atrocities of... of, of yeah, but Iran, definitely Iran. Oh, right? yeah, yeah, yes. I mean, what's interesting geopolitically is I think Russia is moving back to being more pro-Arab than pro-Israel. I think that's that's the big picture takeaway. I mean, uh, Putin, you know, he, he'd been in power 20 years at least, and uh, and he had, for most of that time, been extremely pro-Israel. And, you know, it's worth pointing out that there's, you know, 20% of Israel's population is basically basically russian so yeah, yeah. uh so 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 that explained i think why israel was very reluctant to criticize russia when they invaded ukraine they really didn't do anything and they did not as far as i know they did not participate in the sanctions uh because there is a strong connection there there would be some anger i think now in in israel about russia's neutrality in this they haven't been you know they've just called for a ceasefire just just like a lot of arab nations have done and I think that's probably the geopolitics of Russia needing Iran or, or kind of wanting to to propagate a relationship there for military reasons. Uh, so, I mean, Iran's a big country. It's got big production capacity. You know, what's the population? 80 million, I'm guessing. That's a yeah. lot of people. North and they of, can yeah. produce a lot of drones, right? That's, you know, I think yeah. that's... That's yeah. what that's what uh, Putin's probably you know probably eyeing you know whatever his private views you know because because like I say he you know he was very good to uh, to Israel until now so I think that's that's like an interesting shift that's worth noting. And also we've been hearing that um, uh, th this conflict is sort of splitting the left in a way because you've got um, uh, people who would be traditional 
Democrat supporters now protesting outside their headquarters in Washington D.C. Yes, quite stridently, and it's you know it's 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 there's a lot of pushing and shoving, and and uh, high profile people saying they're not going to vote for the Democrats anymore. So this is causing them issues. Yes, right? huge, and and I think you've seen in recent weeks, actually, including at the press conference with Albanese that Biden held in late October. Uh, You've seen a change in in the U.S. approach. They're like they're now being a little more critical of Israel, and I think that's partly motivated by the left of the Democratic Party and just the political reality of of the looming presidential election. Because they do rely, as you point out, on, on a lot of young uh, left wing activists to vote for the, you know, to vote for the Democratic Party. You know, to turn out in in large numbers. And you know, there are a lot of Muslim Americans. There are a lot of and, and there are a lot of university students who. Uh, who you know who feel passionate about their cause for you know for whatever reason and and you know to some extent it's a you know it's a it's a strange relationship right that they're you know the left wing in you know kind of modern western countries uh, you know has any sympathy for you know for kind of well for Islam which you know would uh, you know would would not challenge their left wing beliefs to their yeah, views yeah. so um so that aside but but it's a political reality that that they need that group of people to win. And I think if they decide not to vote, uh, then it's a huge problem for Joe Biden. Uh, just circling back, as they say, to where we started, just to to finish off our, sure. our chat here, and that is Blinken um, reacting in the way he did on camera because he would have been conscious that every camera was on him and yes. he would have heard in real time that question being asked. Reacting in that way, does, can we read anything into that? Does that mean that because people are always wondering who runs the Biden White House? Is it? Yeah, Biden? I think it's. You know, I think I think I think Blinken's emerged. I mean, I've always found him a very, you know, very competent, fluent, uh, kind of eloquent uh, man. Um, he's very good at his job. I think. I mean, I'm you know, not saying I'm a supporter. I'm just, it's just, it, I think it's just a true observation. Um, and I think you're seeing more and more that he's the most powerful person in the Biden government. I don't. I think there's there's no question about that. Um, I mean, he worked for Biden. Well, he has worked for Biden for many, many years. I mean, the relationship goes way, way back, and that's yeah. that's why he got the State Department job, which is you know, which is a very important job. And but it is interesting though, because he would have known those cameras were on him, and and perhaps that creates some friction with the boss, right? I mean, you'd think so. Uh, but yeah, Biden, but if you thought it was all over for the boss, you wouldn't anyway. Well, that's wouldn't. true. Well, that's true, right? That could be telling. But you know, the boss. I'm pretty sure the boss is not going to go anywhere for it. At least six months, um, and you know, there's a valid argument that you know no president really has ever. Well, I think maybe LBJ has said, "Look, I'm not going to run for a second term." But yep. you know, it's very hard to prize the power out of these people's hands, right? I mean, and you know, what's the downside for Biden? Okay, he loses, all right, but there was still a chance he might have won. So, so he may just think, "Look, you know, I'm 81. I don't care about you all. I'm going to run again. Bugger it." That 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 <laughs> might be his view. <clears throat> okay. All right. Well, let's leave it there. Good to catch up. Um, yes, hopefully thanks, we can talk Paul, yeah. another month or so, but uh, never a dull yes. moment. Adam yeah, Crichton, indeed. Australian correspondent, Washington, D.C. Thanks for coming on again. Okay. Thanks, Paul. Good to chat. RCR with Paul Brennan. Reality Check Radio.